Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So let's, uh, let's go into the Word this morning and uh, we're kicking off a new series. So if I haven't challenged you already, um, we'll get there. Um, so we're kicking off a new series and it is entitled Run, I believe, Run the Race. And uh, I'm excited to, to kick it off this morning and uh, we're going to get into some exciting things this morning or uh, throughout the series. And just by means of introduction, we need to understand that each one of us are running a race. Every person in life is running a race. It's not a matter of like, oh, am I going to run a race? Should I run this race? Every person sitting here this morning, you are running a race, and it's called the race of life. And the race of life has got certain rules, like any race, right? There's rules in the race. Say rules with me, rules. I know we are a grace church, but even within the grace, there's rules, right? Even with, within, it, it, it shouldn't, I shouldn't have to explain it, like life has got rules, there's the rule of gravity, for example. There's, there's laws. You can't sidestep the, 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 the rules and the laws of life. And even within God's design and in, within God's order, there are rules. And if you don't run by those rules, you're going to be disqualified, like within any race. And some of you are thinking, like, why, why are we talking about disqualified within, within grace circles? Surely we're all just qualified and it's just going to be hunky-dory and it's going to be amazing and God loves me and we're going to sit around the campfire and sing Gumbaya, my Lord, and it's just going to be fun. We're going to make schmores and it's just going to be awesome. Um, another word that I was getting as we were singing that one song or the last song um, about um, uh, just streams coming forward and uh, the stream of life and the fountains of life. It's in reference to, to, to John chapter 4, where Jesus is ministering to the Samaritan woman. And he says to her, when you drink of this water, it will become a spring of life gushing forth from within you. And so the Holy Spirit being a stream of life, oftentimes we, as Christians, we are very self-centered in our thinking, in our mindset, with regards to that specifically. If you think about if the, the Holy Spirit becomes a stream of life within you, yes, you've experienced life. You can't experience more eternal life than when you've received Christ, right? You can experience the, 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 the impact of that more in your life maybe, but you cannot become more saved than when you are saved. Well, I'm on the same, same page. Now, so if you now, metaphorically speaking, have, have become this fountain, does the fountain need the water? It's a trick question, I know. Otherwise, you are right. The fountain is the fountain. It doesn't need the water. Are you guys with me? The fountain is the fountain. It doesn't need the water. Who needs the water? People outside. So who, who is your water for? Is it for you or for someone else? Someone else. You are the fountain. You don't need the water. You've received the water. You've become one with the source. Good stuff. 
So I know that's maybe like a, um, uh, a thought that you haven't considered before, but as Christians, oftentimes we just think about, I've become saved, so now I can have all of these benefits, and it's just going to be amazing, and God is going to bless me, and He's going to do this for me, and He's going to do that for me. But ultimately, what did God tell Abraham? I'll bless you so that you can enjoy all of my blessings, right? Some of you are wondering, is that what He said? No, that's not what He said. I will bless you so that, in order, this is the purpose for, so that you will be a blessing. And that's not talking about physically, carnally speaking. Yes, we want to be a blessing to people in helping them out physically. But the greatest blessing that you could ever be to someone and what God invited Abraham to was the blessing of the promise. Which is not wealth and all of these things, but the Holy Spirit. And so that is um, something that we need to kind of change our mindsets to come to see that I've received the blessing, I've become a source of life, a spring of life, because I've got the source living on the inside of me, and I need to take that to the people around me who does not have the source of life, who does not have the fountain of life, the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Amen? So we're all, all running this race of life, and there are rules, there are uh, uh, time limits, um, there are opponents running against us. There are all of these various things that we can consider with regards to this topic of running the race of life. And also, one of the things that uh, is not that popular within grace circles is the rewards of running the race. And it's funny how the world is also kind of, in some ways, or let me put it like this, the church and the, 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 the movement of grace have in some ways conformed to the culture of the world in light of, hey, let's not have, like, let's make all, all, all people winners. Like, let's, let's let the kids compete and everyone's going to get a trophy. Like, that's counter the message that we see with regards to rewards in the Bible. What, is that, what does that message do that if we consider and we, we promote this message of like, within the church, hey guys, let's just, let's just receive Christ and enjoy this and let's not, let's not be competitive in a sense about anything. Now, we're not competing against one another. That's something we need to understand. We're not competing against one another. But we have an opponent. And to the degree and to the the way that you are running this race of life is going to determine whether you're going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. Or whether you're going to get a, oh well. And you're going to have to have tears wiped away from your eyes. I don't determine this for you, you determine this for yourself. So during the, the series, we're going to look at some of these things as to how we're going to run this race the rewards, etc. But this morning we're looking at qualified to run specifically because uh, if we don't start there, then none, none of the other things are going to matter and everything else will just be religious, uh, legalism, and we'll all burn out running the race of life. And so a lot of people are running the race of life and they, they're running to, to receive a reward, but it's, it's, the motivation is works, performance, 
trying to get approval from man, trying to get approval from God, and that is not God's intention with regards to the fact that there are rewards. Now, let's ask this question firstly. If we're talking about qualify to run, how do we qualify for a race? Firstly, you need to know what kind of race you are trying out for, right? If you are uh, trying out for a 100-meter um, sprint versus a, a, a triathlon or a marathon, like your, 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 your training is going to look very different. You need to understand what kind of race are you trying out for. Then when you've identified that, you need to understand what are the requirements. What requirements do I need to meet to run this race? And if you fail to meet them, you can't compete in the race. And so in the coming weeks, we're also going to identify how do we get qualified. This morning, we're going to look at the qualifications specifically. And then we're going to look at the race specifically that we've been qualified for. And so um, today we're looking at how and why we've been qualified. So Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Another surprise that you have this morning is uh, there won't be any scriptures on the screen. Some of you are going to be upset about that. I was uh, super challenged and blessed uh, this past uh, Sunday in Ronnebosch when Pastor Isaac was ministering there. Um, I was challenged by, and humored also, by how shocked he was that someone who didn't bring a Bible to church. If you guys can remember, sons, I'll share the reasons why we gather. And maybe you're here for a different reason than why we are here this morning. But we are challenging you this morning as to why we are here, and you get to determine whether you're going to start being here while we are actually here and why we exist to be here. And one of those reasons is to be equipped. Say equipped. Equipped. So uh, maybe you thought Christianity is just about having a good time. No, you're wrong. Uh, you deceived. Christianity is also about being equipped, being a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus, last week we looked at as someone who's becoming a student of the Word, growing and maturing in their walk with God. Right? So if we're talking about equipping, one of the easiest examples to use with regards to equipping is is a classroom setup or a teaching setup, a teaching environment, which is what's happening here on Sundays uh, because I am teaching. Now, if we're talking about teaching, if we're talking about equipping, um, what do you need when you come to a classroom? You need a notebook and you need a textbook, right? If, we, if I'm going to start teaching you guys uh, um, the history of America... Like, I'm not an American, so I don't know the history of America. Like, I can maybe share some facts with you, but if I have to now do a two-hour two lecture on the history of America, I'm going to have a textbook. And so I'm going to use a textbook, and then from the textbook, um, you're going to make notes. We're going to write an exam, right? So you're not going to write an exam per se, but life is an exam, in a sense. For us as Christians, this life is an exam. And how we're living, the decisions we're making is all based on what we've learned. How we've been equipped. If there's no equipping, there can't be any fruitfulness. Because equipping leads to training and maturing, which is fruitfulness. So, I don't know how long we won't be having scriptures on the screen. Um, but if there's no scriptures on the screen, the encouragement for you is to open up a Bible, whether it's on your phone, whether it's a physical Bible. 
because then there's engaging, then there's reading of. One of the cool things about that as well is if you open up your Bible, sometimes I'll focus on one or two verses specifically and um, never out of context, but now you get to test me, number one. And number two, sometimes maybe I want to focus on a specific verse and build a specific point from there, but maybe the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate a verse before or after that specific verse to you specifically and personally. And if you open up your own Bible and you've got the context, you can highlight that and go back to that and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what He wanted to show you specifically and personally. Amen? So uh, what I'm challenging you into right now should excite you because there's more for you to grow and there's more understanding for you to get from uh, from this approach and then also like i said with regards to classroom setting and being equipped please make notes guys uh, um, the notes you are making is not for my benefit i know i at some point in uh, time in my walk with god i didn't believe in making notes because i thought it was just religious no, I'm joking. Um, I don't know why I didn't want to make notes. Maybe I was just lazy. Maybe I thought that uh, notes are just for the, the super spiritual. Um, the guys who just want brownie points from God. I don't know, I don't know what my reasons were. Um, you have to ask yourself, what's your reason for not making notes in church? Ask yourself that. Just why don't I make notes in church? See if you come up with a good reason um, that is justifiable. Because in making notes... You are, um, we've got a bunch of teachers here in the, in the room and that live group this past week, we actually shared on this. Um, one of the ways that you retain information better is by making notes, writing down what is being communicated. And one of the other amazing ways to, to retain information and to get it more is by sharing what you are learning. That's discipleship. That is what we're invited into. What are you learning? Share with someone else. And so by making notes in the week when you meet someone or you have a conversation with someone, they share something and they're like, this, that, and the next thing you're like, oh yeah, but Etienne shared something about this. Let me just check quick my phone quickly. Oh, this scripture and then I share this. Oh, I just wanted to encourage you this, that, and the next thing. So you've been prepared for that because you made notes and you're a good student of the word. Amen. So Romans chapter 3 verse 23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're talking about the qualification or being qualified for the race. Now firstly, we need to understand that the whole earth, every human being on the face of the earth, lacks something. They are born into a lacking, or they're born into lack of sorts. They're lacking something. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every problem in this world is rooted in this verse. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And now you're thinking maybe uh, the problem of the world is there, there's too much sin and we need to uh, get people to stop sinning and we're going to uh, bring in the Ten Commandments and we're going to uh, tattoo it on our, like on, our, on our arms and like on our legs and wherever and we need to get people to stop sinning because sin is messing up this world. No, sin is the result of something. Sin is the fruit of something. What is that? Short of God's glory. What does that mean, being short of God's glory? The word short there means lacking. Lacking. 
we are lacking something. And lacking the glory of God is in reference to His presence. His presence, the Holy Spirit. So the world is lacking something. Every person on the face of the earth ever born lacks something. God's Spirit. That's why it was a promise from the beginning of time that God's desire has been from the beginning of time for man to be united with Him. Be joined to Him, Spirit to Spirit. And so when we solve that problem, we solve the problem of sin. Because ultimately speaking, every person struggling with sin either has two, one of two problems. The problem of sin and the act of sin is rooted in one of two problems. Firstly, lacking God's Spirit, not having a new Spirit, a God kind of Spirit. And then secondly, if that, is, that problem has been solved, the second problem that we are here for this morning is understanding. Growing in understanding. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who renews your mind? You choose to renew your mind. By being in church this morning, you're participating and you're making yourself available to receive teaching. But even within this teaching environment right now, you are determining whether you are engaging and taking in what is being communicated. Whether you are engaging through making notes, through purposing not to think about, man, I wonder if the Springboks are going to beat New Zealand. And like, you are, like, Anna specifically, I know she struggles with that. Um, no, I'm joking, uh, she does love her rugby. Um, but we... In every environment where there's word, we determine how much we are engaging and how much we are allowing our minds to be transformed or be renewed so we can experience the transformation of God. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, But we all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and all our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Again, no person on the face of the earth, no person's good deeds can fix the internal problem that every person is born with. Right? There's nothing you can do, nothing any person ever could do to fix the problem of lacking God's glory. God's glory, the presence of God, the gift of life is not received, or it's not earned, it's received. That's what a gift is. A gift is received. It's not earned. If the that the defeats the, 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 the whole definition of a gift. It's the gift of life. It's received. It's not earned. So we see now we 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 building this this foundation that the world lacks something. There's a there's a immediate not qualifying for, but whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. Mark 10, 23 to 24 says this, And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have, uh, have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Verse 24, And the disciples were astonished by his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? And then jumping down to verse 27, in the um, 
uh, same chapter, and Jesus looking unto them uh, said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for God, with God all things are possible. Now the context here is very interesting, and uh, you can read about the context a little bit, and the, 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 the topic here was, was finances, but we need to understand, oftentimes we, we miss this, 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 um, this message within the context, and we kind of make having money an ungodly thing, and we, we've developed in some churches, this, this um, in Afrikaans they call it a, a kerkmeis mentaliteit, a church mouse mentality, where you, um, you almost think that poverty glorifies God. Poverty doesn't glorify God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Jesus says that bearing good fruit glorifies God. Now, you need to also understand that bearing fruit is not finances. The only fruit that glorifies God is men's souls coming to salvation. Because anything you can do that an unbeliever can also do is not what Jesus came to die for. I'm going to say that again because some of you aren't getting it and then I'll maybe use an example of two. Anything you can do that an unbeliever can also do is not what Jesus came to die for. For example, starting a soup kitchen. Can an unbeliever start a soup kitchen? Some of you are wondering, can they? Like, are they qualified? Are they allowed to? <laughs> if an unbeliever can do it, that is not what Jesus came to die for. Can an unbeliever make money? Let's think about it. I think they, it's not always possible because the blessing of God was specifically for the, the believers, so they're definitely limited in that regard, right? They're not going to be able to make as much money as the Christians. I'm sarcastic, guys, if you didn't pick it up. It's a little bit of sarcasm there. I don't know if, I don't know if Elon Musk is a born-again believer. I don't know if Bill Gates is a born-again believer. Do any of you know? Um... Let's say they're not. Or let's just say that there's a lot of people in this world. Let's just make it simple according to this crowd. Do you know an unbeliever that's richer than you, financially speaking? I know. I know an unbeliever. Some of you don't. Man, that's awesome. Like, that's interesting as well. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I know, for, from personal experience, I know... Um, unbelievers that are richer than I, than I am. And we need to understand that what Jesus came to die for and what He came to invite us into, it's got nothing to do with finances, it's got nothing to do with doing good things. It's got everything to do with heart transformation. Having people united with God. Having that which lacks be fulfilled. Having that void that is there be fulfilled and be completed through God's Spirit. And so Jesus said, with, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And this is specifically within this context of what is being shared here. So you cannot just 
You can't just take Mark 10, 27 and say like, with men it is impossible, with God it is, all things are possible, and that is why we beat the English last night. Because with man it is impossible, but praise God, we did beat them because he was on our side. Because the English is not favored by God, obviously. We cannot take the word of God and just apply it to anything we want it to apply to because it's got a specific context, it's got a specific application. And if we don't apply the word of God and plug it into the source and where it was intended to be plugged into, we will not see the power. We will not see the manifestation that it was intended to manifest. And so coming back to verse 24 where it says that, and I want to uh, just elaborate this, and it says, um, where Jesus says that it is, it's very hard for those who have riches, but then he clarifies and he says, it is very hard for them that trust in their riches to enter into God's kingdom. So it's again, it's not that rich people will not experience the kingdom of heaven, but it's those who trust in their riches that it will be difficult for to enter into the kingdom of heaven because I think all of us maybe experience this in some way or another when we become so wrapped up in our finances and our riches that we just forget about God. And all of us know people, if we're not uh, an example of those people, where once the money runs dry, you start turning to God. And maybe not within our culture and within our context, but you've seen people who've had that kind of experience in their life. And so Jesus' emphasis here is those who trust in. But then he also goes on to say that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What was possible to God? With man it was not possible to experience the kingdom of heaven. With man we cannot make ourselves right. We cannot go and get ourselves ready to receive the gift. Because oftentimes we, we minister to people, we have settings where we wanna, uh, we're ministering to people and they're like, I'm not ready right now. And what they mean is, I first need to go and sort out a few things before I make this decision. Because their mindset is that I can get myself more ready to receive this gift. You cannot. There's nothing you can do that can get yourself more ready. Every person born in this world is ready. Why? Because they already have lack. There's a void. So they're ready. They are ready. The sooner they come to year, the sooner they can make a decision. Because if they do not year, guess what they do with that void? They try and fill it with all kinds of evil. And things that seem to be good, seem to bring about some sense of fulfillment and contentment. But it's just a band-aid. And it will not solve the problem. That's why we're seeing wars in this world. Because on the surface, it seems like it's peaceful and everyone is just loving one another and it's all just good. But the heart is twisted. People have not come into contact with and joined into union with God's Spirit and His holiness. Ezekiel 36 verse 25 to 27. So we're building on this case of what God did 
which man could not do. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon them, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give to you, a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk on my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So this is awesome. This is a prophecy of what God is going to come and do. And the emphasis is on what God is going to come and do. Not what man was going to do. Because man could not do. God came to do which was impossible to man. Which will also always be impossible to man. But praise God, one of the amazing blessings that we have now as children of God, on this side of the crosses, we get to be a partaker in making this a reality to the people in our lives. The people that we go out to reach. That's an amazing privilege and honor. That which was impossible, God came to make possible, and now we get to co-labor in that, the impossibility of God, and co-laboring with that reality, and making that true to all people that we come in contact with, having them receive God's Spirit. I will put a new spirit in them. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So this is again also challenging because coming back to my opening challenging statements is that God's spirit in you, the fountain and the source of life, is not just for you to have a good time with your believers on a Sunday morning, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just for you to have a good time and just kind of receive a, a, a pep talk and then go into your week Monday through Friday and just be encouraged and not get impatient with the people around you and not get frustrated with the people around you. No, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. This is all in light of 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. God's will is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And that is the enabling power of the Spirit of God in you to make that a reality. So if you're talking about running this race and qualified to run this race, the requirements to qualify and be used by God was unity, being one with God, having His Spirit in us. And that gift is received simply by faith. It's by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now since we received that gift, received the gift of life, God's Spirit living in us, we have been qualified for purpose. Not just qualified for yourself. You're qualified for purpose. As we just saw in Ezekiel, there's a reason for His Spirit living in you. It's not just for you to become one with Him. But now as you've become one with Him, His heart becomes your heart. Maybe you don't believe it yet. Maybe you don't know what that means yet. Maybe you've come to believe certain lies about what that means and that's why you're not walking in what God has uh, uh, made available for us and what Jesus actually died for us for. And that's why we're in a, in a, in a setting like this to be equipped, to be challenged, to, to reinvestigate. What do I believe? Why do I believe this? Does this line up with the message of Christ? What He died for? What He commissioned us for? 
without His Spirit in us, we do not qualify for this race. Isaiah 43 verse 90 to 21 says, I am um, about to do a new thing, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. Again, I am about to do a new thing. Now this new thing that God, uh, or that Isaiah was penning down for us and prophesying uh, for us, Oftentimes when we read the word new, we think new in the sense that it hasn't existed before. Right? Like, or it's a... Yeah, I think that's the best uh, explanation of it. We, we, when we read new, we think that there was something else and now there's something new. Like, there was something old and now there's something new. Or, or I haven't known this before and now I know it, so it's new. And we need to understand that this prophecy and what Isaiah was prophesying about, and we need to understand with, with all of the prophets in the Bible, they had a textbook that they were prophesying from. The first five books of the Bible, the writings of Moses, they were prophesying from there about again what was to come. So this new thing wasn't a new thing that has never been. This new thing was more in light of a repeat of. A repeat of the same thing. Because from Genesis all the way through Malachi, it's a continual repeating of. And then we get the Gospels where Jesus is born and He comes to make this new thing a reality and He comes to unfold that for us. And then in the epistles we see the apostles and Paul specifically writing about this mystery that has been concealed from the beginning of time, from Genesis, is now revealed. And this mystery is Christ in you. So this new thing, talking about water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to make my people drink from this. Why did Jesus tell the woman at the well and, and John, if you drink this water, he wasn't talking about physical water. It was a symbolism of partaking of the Spirit of God, receiving His Spirit. And so again, the people whom I formed for myself, so they might declare my praise. So again, God's purpose and His design was for His people to experience the living water, His Spirit in them, this new thing that people didn't understand, that people missed thinking that when the Messiah comes, He's going to overthrow thrones and He's going to be a political re leader. And so they just missed Jesus because He was coming in on a donkey and He was this, this guy who was just friendly and, and meek and He wasn't overthrowing any powers or, or thrones or anything like that. So they misunderstood the message and the scriptures specifically thinking that it was going to be something else. So it's going to look different. 
But coming back to verse 21, the people whom I formed for myself, so that thou might declare my praise. So your qualification into this life is not so much for you as it is for God's purposes. Oftentimes we think that Christianity is for me. My salvation is for me. And yes, it benefits you 100%. Amen? Amen. Good stuff. thought I was going to have to do maybe an altar call like uh, for all of you guys in the moment. Um, your salvation, yes, it benefits you 100%. But that's not all that it is about. My people whom I form for myself so that they might declare my praise. Not so that they might praise. You can't praise God. But declaring His praise is declaring Jesus Christ. That's the greatest praise that you can give to God, is making Christ known. Some of you don't believe it, and that's why you're not making Christ known. And that's fine. But that's why we hear a church to be challenged. The greatest way that you can praise God is by making Christ known. That was Paul's prayer throughout the epistles. That I might make Christ known more effectively. Because that's the greatest praise you can give to God. It's not by being a nice person, not by handing out food and giving money to people at the robots and by being patient at work. Again, if an unbeliever can do it, that is not what Jesus died for. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but that's not what Jesus died for. And that's what you need to come to understand. Because if you come to understand this, you would actually start living a life giving praise to God appropriately by making Christ known. And so when we're talking about this qualification, it's amazing to see and to understand that with man it was impossible, but with God it was possible. He made it possible where there was no way. He made it possible. He qualified us. All we need to do is receive this gift, but He qualified us for a specific purpose. For His purpose. Not for your purpose, for His purpose. That's why throughout the, the epistles, why do the writers open up their letters with? I, Paul, a free man to do my purposes. Excuse me? Bond servant. That, that's not very graceful. <laughs> a good word is a challenging word. Isaiah 43 verse 25, we're coming to a, a close. I feel like there's some turbulence maybe in the air. So don't stand up, like stay seated, buckle up. Isaiah 43 verse 25. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and I will never think of them again. So again, what are we qualified for? Because we're talking about running the race. And being qualified to run. It's amazing to understand that we're qualified. But if we don't understand what we're qualified for, then it's pointless. Like imagine like 
hey, you, you, you've qualified for this race. Amazing. What race? Oh, no. Don't worry. What's the purpose? Or what's the point? If we don't understand what we've been qualified for. What race have we been qualified for? Yes, I alone will blot out thy sins for my own sake. I will never think of them again. Isaiah 44 verse 22. I'm going to come back to uh, um, the, the previous verse as well. Isaiah 44 22. I've blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me for I have redeemed you. For my own sake, I have redeemed you. Return to me. God saved us and qualified us for a purpose. Not our purpose, but for His purpose. So that we can run this race. Run it effectively. Not be disqualified. If we think about this, um, uh, this example shared in light of this um, recently, and it was really awesome. Think about this phone, for example. All of you guys have got a smartphone, right? Just hold it up quickly, your smartphone. Can I see your phones? Good stuff, good stuff. So that phone, you're using it for a specific purpose, right? You're benefiting from that phone. Now, if that phone would break and you would go and fix it, are you fixing the phone for the phone's benefit or are you fixing the phone for your benefit? For your benefit, right? The phone, like, so you, the phone is broken. It doesn't have a purpose. It can't be used. And you fix the phone. You restore the phone so that it can be used by you for what, what, for what you want to use it for. We were broken. God fixed us for His purpose. That's why some of you or maybe frustrated with life, discontent, dissatisfied. You know that there is more. You're being challenged by this daily and continually, but you're not willing to come to embrace this truth that God's salvation for you was not just for you, but for a purpose. And that purpose is not for your dreams, your goals, the things that you've always dreamt about as a child, what you've been molded to dream about, what culture and society has told you to dream about, told you to run after, but what God's Word is inviting you into to live a life of significance, fulfilling His purposes. And so each one of us gets to Daily consider this. Am I living my life for my purpose or am I enjoying this qualification of a, a life of running a race and running the race that He's qualified me for, for His purposes, to be used by Him, to be a servant of His. Second Corinthians 5. Okay. It's going to be a fast landing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 17. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new cre creation. Everything old has passed away, and everything has become new. So it's talking about our new birth. 
Okay, the, the old identity has passed away. I've received a new identity. And this is from God, right? We couldn't do this. This is from God. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't change our identity. We couldn't fulfill the void, the lack that there was, the shortfall. We couldn't fulfill that. But all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So again, God reconciled, pulled us to himself and has given us the ministry, his ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world unto himself, not counting their trespasses against them and has entrusted us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin come the righteousness of God. So all of this is echoing again what we've been qualified for. Not just qualified for our benefit, but qualified to run the race of the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us this, this race to run, and it's called the ministry of reconciliation reconciling the world unto himself through this message not counting people's trespasses against them and this is the, the ambassadorship that we've been called to again if there's an ambassador of america in this country who are they or an ambassador if there's an ambassador of the united states in this country who are they representing united states they're not representing themselves Yes, in, they might be an individual and all of that, but by that title, ambassador of the United States, they are representing that country, representing the world that is country. And we are ambassadors of Christ. So we don't get to represent ourselves. That is not the authority that we've been given. We are called to represent Christ his will, His purposes, His desires. And using the ambassadorship of the United States as, a, as an example, it's, it's, not a good, it's not a perfect example because what we have been called and invited into, it's not a work. It's a matter of honor. And maybe it's an honor for the ambassador of the United States to do what they're doing, but they're getting paid for it. We're not getting paid to be ambassadors of Christ. It's something that we get to do for free because we've seen the benefit of and we've seen the, the joy and the purpose and the delight that we have as sons of God to make His will known to this world. To be co-laborers with Him, to be partners with Him in making His dream a reality. Helping usher people from darkness to light. Anyone here in this room, if you've seen someone come from darkness to light, meaning they do not know Christ, they don't want to know Christ, to receiving Christ, it is the best feeling you'll ever have in your life. Money back guarantee. Go test it. Sharing the gospel with someone who's never heard it before, or they've heard a tainted view of the gospel, a deceptive, deceptive view of the gospel, and you share the undiluted message of Christ, why he died, what he died for, and they embrace that, 
and you see lights come on, you see life coming into their eyes, the best feeling, most satisfaction you'll ever feel in your life. No paycheck could ever give you that feeling. No prize you ever win could give you that feeling. This is what we've been created for, what we've been qualified for. Now, Paul's thought continues here from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, going into chapter 6 again. As we work together with Him. Say work. I don't like the, wor- the word work because it's so ungraceful and it's not really, gr- like, it doesn't sit well with, uh, with the word grace. I'm just uh, sarcastic. There is a work. Because with the work, there's a reward. And so all of this that we've read into uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 17 to 21 goes into chapter 6, continuing on this th- thought again. As we work together with Him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. So why is Paul urging the church of Corinth to not accept the grace of God in vain? Because some people have accepted the grace of God in vain. The question is, have you accepted the grace of God in vain? The question is, have you accepted the grace of God in vain? I'm not answering for you. You need to answer that for yourself. For he says, at the acceptable time I've listened to you, and one day, uh, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See now, it's the acceptable time. See now, it's the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, and genuine love. So oftentimes when we, when we read things like this in the Word where it's talking about afflictions and all of these things, we, we kind of just want to push it aside or we don't want to emphasize it, but ultimately the reality is, as Jesus said, that in this world you will suffer persecution. A good question to consider and to ask yourself, and again, the persecution, maybe you're thinking about persecution in in the sense of losing your job. That's not the persecution that the, the Bible is talking about. Maybe think about persecution in the sense of um, you're getting a demotion. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Because unbelievers also get demotions. I don't know if you knew that. Unbelievers also lose their jobs. So the persecution and the, that Jesus was talking about was in light of living out your calling and purpose as a child of God. But praise God, as Jesus said, be cheerful because I've overcome the world. And in light of that, we can endure. In light of that victory that Jesus provided for us, we can endure. We can press forward knowing that there is an overcoming for us to enjoy, to experience, and a reward waiting for us in heaven if we run and we do not faint. Closing verse, 2 Timothy. 
2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he says, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Now it's interesting here that he's talking about him personally. He's saying, there will be a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Not for us. Why is it not for us? Because you determine whether there's going to be a crown for you. Whether there's going to be a reward for you. You determine that. So this is not applicable to every believer. The reward is not applicable to every believer. Yes, we've received Christ. Praise God, we've received salvation. And we're going to enjoy eternity with God and all of those benefits. But there's a reward for us that goes beyond that. And that reward is determined by the race that you are running. What race are you running? Do you understand and are you running the race that you've been qualified for? Or are you just running the race that the race of this world is running? Again, the question is, and this is what you get to determine one day. Are you going to get a well done, good and faithful servant, steward? Or oh wow, and going to have to have the tears wiped from your eyes. 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca